once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. Back at you with our second weekly podcast in a row. Boom! It's almost like we can commit to this, yeah. boys. Um, as ever, your host, Alan, joined by Keith, joined by Roddy. Hello. Everyone's excited. Everyone's got piles of comics. Everyone's made their choices. Yeah, baby. <laughs> what do you think? Um, yeah, so this is going to be our uh, review show. So this is uh, going to be spoiler-filled, of course. Um, this is going to be for the releases um on the 13th of November was the the releases from that new comic book day week 2 of November week 2 of November uh, tons of great stuff uh, just first and foremost uh, I massively enjoyed a lot of indie titles this week I have to say indie was probably the strongest for me yeah um, and then Marvel and actually DC have one of their sort of weaker weeks I would say but that'll all change this week so it's fine how many books did you have this week in your pool uh, I think I had 22 uh, for the week uh, I think I had about five in graphic novel maybe was it so probably not well we'll throw a graphic novel yeah. in the context say six it's, issues yeah, there you're in the double figures just about uh, 15 for me this week 15, 15 for Keith so, so yeah big week um, but before we jump into that and because I know Keith really wants to talk about it Oh. As he kept talking to me on social media, there was, about a, bit of, there was a bit of a lore, a lore of attrition. Last here's time here's all you need to know: release the Schneider cut. Oh, <laughs> what a load of rubbish! So <laughs> all you need to know: no, that was the original cut. The Schneider cut <laughs> will be genius. <laughs> no, I mean I think it's just worth chatting about just really, really quickly. Um, you know, the the DC movies have certainly had a much rockier last ten years than the Marvel movies. Marvel movies have been very relatively plain sailing, well planned, well thought out, one person in charge. DC stuff's been all over the place with all due respect. There's been moments of greatness, there's been moments of terrible. Um, and Justice League was very much at the end of terrible, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and I don't say that lightly, but there's been all this talk of this fabled Schneider cut, uh, which you know, fabled is probably the right word to yeah, use. It's a mythical, mythical Schneider cut. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, the, the thing with Justice League is so obviously it started out as a Zack Schneider movie. Then, unfortunately, he suffered a, a tragic loss in his family with his daughter. Um, he stepped away. Joss Whedon came in um, with the best intentions. You know, wanting to make this a really good movie changed a few things the result was definitely a mishmash of style shall we say the Schneider Cut apparently exists it's apparently 219 minutes long god keep it coming keep it coming <laughs> I just love seeing Keith's face um, yeah I mean the, the Schneider Cut was supposed to be you know he storyboarded the whole thing had it all set up the direction he wanted to go in lots of trailers came out that contained footage that was not in the finished movie um, so the Schneider Cut to be honest it's all it's been this sort of myth that, and all the rest but the only reason we're talking about it now um, is because last night there was an explosion on Twitter as Gal Gadot put up the hashtag release the Snyder Cut and then two hours later Ben Affleck put up the hashtag release the Snyder Cut so it's the first time industry professionals have jumped on this we as comic book fans will jump on this kind of stuff and that's fine and they have done because it was an anniversary wasn't it it, it was, was like two, two year anniversary, anniversary of the release of Justice League wasn't so it? it was just it almost was given legitimacy almost because uh, I was chatting to Keith about it very quickly last night, but you know, Gal Gadot, for example, she's no reason to do this. You know, she's heavily protected by the studio. Her next Wonder Woman movie's on the way. Ben Affleck's a darling of Warner Brothers. He's no reason to do this. So I don't know. It could all be a storm in a teacup. But I tell you what, Twitter was fun last night for a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was hilarious because I honestly think what's happened is to celebrate the two-year anniversary of the release of Justice League. 
Zack Snyder said lads he fancy coming around the house for a few beers maybe a bit of dinner <laughs> and he sat down and he said all these idiots are chatting about this Snyder cut that doesn't exist but do you fancy having a wee bit of fun with him does he refer to himself as <laughs> Snyder <laughs> does he say that Snyder cut, cut exists yeah 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 I, I, I mean they're still at it two years later so how about we just you know and Gal you get that movie coming out that'll be good for it uh, Ben nobody cares if we use Batman anymore so it doesn't matter what you say and the rest of you it doesn't really matter terribly anyway so uh, go on just for the Listen crack to this cynical man <laughs> uh, yeah, comics are all about here. joy and hope and optimism <laughs> I just I think as Roddy Ray said earlier on it's the it's the idea of the movement that winds me up <laughs> There's almost like a, a yeah. faux injustice about yeah. that. I, I'm if you want, in the middle yeah, of you you know, too, If you want a movement, join Extinction Rebellion. They're at least doing yeah. something worthwhile. Or the Flat Earth Society. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's a cult. <laughs> no, I mean, it's. I just find it really interesting. I, I think it should be released in whatever form just so people shut up about it. You know what I mean? Um, but it, it's just really interesting that all these people are coming out in support of it because then a little bit later in the night, David Iyer... He has his own gripes, of course, with Suicide Squad, which again was not a good movie. Um, but then Scott Derrickson came out in support, who directed Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have Diane Nelson, who was the former president of DC Entertainment, coming out. And then the most interesting tweet of them all for me, anyway, and it's hardly surprising given who it came from. Uh, so the Watchmen showrunner Damon Lindelof, obviously he of Lost as well, mm-hmm. tweeted his support saying, I'm not saying I've seen it. But if I had, I would unequivocally support the powers that be to release the Snyder Cut. So don't get me wrong, I think they're having a bit of fun with it. I think there's a wee bit of substance to it, but I'd be very surprised if you saw anything anytime yeah. soon. Well, I don't know. I'm sure, like, I, I I, think I understand. Like, if your artistic vision was tampered with, that, I mean, that's probably the most heartbreaking thing in the world, but it's all the other stuff surrounding it that annoys me. Yeah. But um, I, like, I've had my issues with Twitter and all the y'all ain't ready for the Snyder Cut and all this <laughs> yeah, the way people crap. talk yeah, 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 and, yeah. and oh, it, man, it's, it's and it's the, it's the surety of nerds like <laughs> you're just like yeah I mean I don't know some people believe anything I mean to my mind we talked about this a wee bit earlier on the show filmmaking now is not you know the way it was 20 years ago you know what I mean it's, it's digital it's lean you know what I mean they they storyboard these things they film them you know uh, Joss Whedon didn't come in until post-production and sure there's probably a bit of fat to trim off a movie but there's, well, Joss there's, Whedon completely reshot like half yeah, the movie they, they spend uh, nearly 200 million on reshoots uh, 200 million on reshoots probably isn't a vast amount it really is though. that's a that's a budget of any movie on it's, top of what they'd already spent with Schneider it's built. interesting because it's not like the Daredevil one where it was like which is like I I enjoy director's cuts and final cuts and all this other stuff, you know. Ultimate cuts. Yeah. Oh, ultimate cut. Ultimate is that cuts. The, yeah. I've never told you one? about the ultimate. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll not get into that. But um, like the they obviously with Daredevil they filmed there was like what is, what is it like twenty minutes or thirty minutes more good, additional footage. It's or a something? good thirty minutes. It's a complete but subplot. I think um, with Coolio, mm-hmm. the awesome Coolio. Um, How can that make something worse? <laughs> makes it better. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> but um, like, how do you think like this? I don't know. It's not going to change the world, but it, it could be significantly well, better. It's, it's very know? much at this point, it's a curiosity because it's yeah. not like they're going to release this and then go. This has fixed everything. We're back on track. 
because that was on. yeah that was the movie that yeah. made them yeah. decide actually maybe this isn't working yeah. I mean Warner Brothers have moved on they've and obviously they've... hired Pattinson to be Batman they've had great success with Joker Shazam yeah. has moved in a different direction but I would I would slightly argue the point though where you say there's no they don't overshoot now I think if anything they overshoot more now because film really used to be really expensive so you had to be very tight with what you filmed now digital video is so cheap you can just go yeah keep it running guys let's do another couple of takes uh, yeah, so no, it, can, it actors, can go both ways actors are a lot more expensive mm, that's um, true I think it know, can go both ways and I mean but I've seen it I've seen it you know for example um, The Mess that was Highlander 2 mm-hmm. and uh, Highlander 2 Renegade <laughs> version which was effectively a director's cut which entirely changed the story but there wasn't a lot of stuff reshot. What they did was they reshot a lot of dialogue to change the way this what was shot yeah. was viewed. And effectively, mm. the, the original the original plot uh, made the immortals exiles from the planet Zeist. And whenever they were sent to Earth, they became immortal. But, oh, okay. But whenever, yeah. but, but whenever fandom, I mean, a ter- terrible movie, no matter what, what way you look at it. <laughs> but you know, whenever the Renegade version, which was uh, Russell Mulcahy's apparently his own version you know studio interference changed things around this was you know so they removed all references to the planet's ice and made effectively which was what was an equally confusing but different plot you know movie plot you know what i mean but but that was not done by doing a lot of reshooting it was just by by tweaking things a wee bit but yeah. i just i don't know and then the other thing i mean to look at to look at snyder's background relative to whedon's background Oh, it's not the ones, but I wouldn't argue one's better than the other. I would, I would just argue. <laughs> well, not I, in this context, but what I would argue is they're just very, very different mm, directors. What, what I don't understand is like I quite like Zack Snyder's films, but um, the same people kind of clamoring for release of Snyder Cut probably before Justice League wouldn't give a shit about Zack Snyder and probably would actively seek for his. Yeah, uh, I think. Fall, you know? I think. I think he's done a very clever thing in in creating this. This uh, this myth of the Snyder Cut and now continuing to feed it two years later, uh, I think it's great. Uh, I mean, he did it, he did that himself. He did that himself. You know, factor myth. Who knows? But if you if you if like history is to be believed, then studio interference causes uh-huh. ultimate problems, and they are the big bad of mm-hmm. our our world as film going, comic book loving nerds. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's definitely a lot of truth to that. So there is, but I wonder where it falls. I just think in a world where thirty years later they were able to do the Donner cut of Superman yeah. two, where they're able to restore footage to stuff. I think we will see it at some point. Yeah. I personally don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Yeah. And I mean, but it will be released at some point. A lot of these movies, a lot of these movies, you know, Superman, the original Superman, fantastic movie. The Donner cut, better, you know. So that wasn't the case of polishing a turd, <laughs> you know. Whereas this kind of is I don't wholeheartedly agree with that though because <laughs> <laughs> there's there's moments in Justice League they are fleeting but there are moments but yeah. what I would say is I mean we've talked about it before and I know you don't agree and that's cool I think Batman v Superman the theatrical cut is a mess I think the ultimate cut is a masterpiece Ooh. and that's just by adding 30 minutes and giving context to scenes and letting scenes breathe and Daredevil is, as Ronnie brought up it's another great example Daredevil was derided on its release said it was terrible it was a 90 minute movie you reinsert those 30 minutes you suddenly show Matt Murdock as a lawyer you suddenly see how much he cares and the corruption within the system he's fighting 
it's not necessarily about changing the movie it's maybe just about adding to it you know Justice League just felt like a scrappy horribly edited mess I, I and I don't think anything will change that I know and I definitely do not want to see more of it uh, well <laughs> if they ever release it you two are doing like a watch it'll <laughs> be hilarious and Roddy's going to referee yeah. Yeah. Roddy will keep score <laughs> nice right, that's, that's probably enough chat on yeah. that anyway before Keith's head explodes um, um yeah, let's talk the good stuff then. Let's talk some comics. And stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously, with our new format, you know, we're trying to keep it a bit leaner, keep it a bit more focused. Um, so what we've done is we've all picked our. Uh, what, what did I do? Not <laughs> well. I when when you said lean, I was like, how long? I was just like, how long were we talking about? I, looked, I looked at the clock and I was like, you, you, how long has it been? You since do realize this thirty eight minutes that we've recorded yeah. is only about nine minutes or something. I'm absolutely cutting the section out. Yeah, <laughs> coming soon the the, uh, the November twenty nineteen Schneider cut then, version. Then they'll be the like podcast. release the Taylor cut. Exactly. <laughs> Let's get that trending. Um, but yeah, anyway, we'll go back to the comics. So yeah, with the new format, we all pick one title each to discuss in depth we will throw out a few notable mentions as well um this week as i say i i found it a very indie heavy week um for me the book of the week uh i i veered between two there is one i'll mention a little bit later that i know roddy enjoyed as well called black stars above but there was a title i was really looking forward to just off the basis of how much of a hot streak boom's been on at the moment through the creative team announced for this and the synopsis of it so my pick of the week is Folklords number one and what a pick what a title um, written by Matt Kint art by Matt Smith so a tale of two Matts um, yeah I sort of broke this down into just one byline of do fantasy characters dream of earthly realms you know Folklords for me it fell into one of these so obvious why hasn't it been explored more before sort of ideas you know you, you sort of see what the idea is about and go what did I think of that or why has this not been done before you know so much of literature that you know we read and we enjoy uh, it's created about fantasy worlds other realms goblins dwarves wizards you know mystical powers all this kind of thing but what if those fantasy characters actually existed and they dream of a world like ours and things that we take for granted in our world they would see as amazing you know buildings that go as far as far into the sky as the eye can see you know of magic flying planes cell phones you know all these kind of things that we just take for granted that maybe something from this sort of fantasy world would go geez that's amazing that's incredible um so with folklords we all read it i think we're all yep equally enthused by it i, I think i adored yeah. this book I think yeah. if Alan hadn't picked it at his pick of the week uh, it would have been either of ours yep definitely yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean it, it's, it's always great to hear when we have a really um, a unanimous one on this um, but yeah so it kicks off uh, very quickly we're just introduced to a character called Ansel <laughs> actually it kicks off a little differently uh, the very very start says once upon a time and that's crossed out and it says nope just this one time <laughs> so it's already something a wee bit different yeah it's already playing with the conventions I mean it's playing with the conventions straight away when you're being introduced to this fantasy world you know and there's a kid getting dressed in a suit combing his hair and that, that was putting on a watch that was what was interesting about that first page is you're not introduced to the fantasy world it's just kid in his bedroom getting dressed yeah. in a suit and tie and his mother offers him a pie on the way out he's throwing some stuff into his bag looks a wee bit strange alright but you're kind of you know until 
until you turn over the page yeah. you wouldn't think it's a fantasy book you know it's just this kid getting ready in his room you know and then you realise that he's the odd one out yeah he's that stereotypical one in the village that everybody stares at talks about a little bit as they walk past um, you know as he's running down the, the, the village lane you see a wizard you see a couple of people whispering you see what looks like some kids look possibly like elves the way their ears are you see mystery shrouded figures in hoods with one eye staring at him um, but yeah there's this really beautiful little sort of image of him running through and with this suit and everybody's just looking at him even the dogs looking at him giving him the side eye yeah <laughs> uh, which is wonderful um, so yeah so Ansel he, he's a young man he lives in one of these fantasy worlds where we're talking about but he, he's been having these visions of a fable land called Earth um, the visions get the better of him you know he sets out to find the fabled folklords who can show him the way to this mystical earth he's told the folklords are a myth a bit like the Schneider Cut and to not pursue it which you just doesn't want to um, but uh, yeah you get introduced to the world really quickly um, lovely again we always talk about it well I always talk about it efficiency of storytelling um, you know he runs through the village he ends up coming to this uh, river crossing and he runs up to a guy called Charles well I say a guy uh, he's a troll this is clearly your stereotypical troll yeah. who would be usually under a bridge I suppose um, but he's taking him across and talking to Ansel about how tomorrow's a big day um, but this was a great line this is when I knew I was really going to like this book um, as Charles is bringing him across the river um, he says big day tomorrow good luck I'll be thinking of you Ansel thanks I appreciate that I'd invite you but it's a village thing I'm sorry Charles I'm a troll, I like what I do, and I ain't a fan of crowds. <laughs> you know, so straight away you're getting what these characters are about really, really quickly. Kind of reminds me of a friend of mine. <laughs> Dare we ask? <laughs> Say no more. Say no names. Um, so yeah, so Charles ends up chatting to a couple of his friends, and they're talking about how there's this thing in the village called the Public Quest, and it's where all the kids basically get to name... Uh, basically, I'd name a quest and it's then like they have a, to go and fulfill it. It's like a coming of age thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, very much so. That, that's what I thought. Um, but they're just talking quietly in the corner, and then Ansel says, I'm going to find the folklords, and the whole bar stops. I love this line The folklords, are you nuts? They're less real than the mermaids. Um, We're not even supposed to talk about the folklords. <laughs> and then that's when we get the first mention of the librarians, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. You better hope the librarians aren't around. So, yeah. Who we saw vaguely at the start the, uh, the, the red cloaked red, figures yeah. with the one eye but uh, yeah so Ansel he has a little bit of a chat with his friend um, outside what was her name again uh, D um, and she's trying to, you get the feeling they were maybe trying to set up a wee bit of a maybe a romance or something here but uh, she's a little older she's she, she does seem to be a little older she's done this before but you know she's very much being like I, I do care about you I care about you Ansel we've been friends since we were kids but uh, yeah this is where he basically tells her all about you know I've had dreams I've had visions you know in this other world there are buildings as tall as mountains there are ships that fly through the air carriages that move without horses uh, is that where you get your ideas for clothes and all those things you make this is how the people there dress people as far as the eye can see no trees at all and they live in gigantic villages look I think this place is real and I think I can get there um, so they have all that sort of stuff it then cuts to you see one of these vision pages which I thought was a really lovely interlude and really nice sort of setup for what will be no doubt explored later in the story 
you know you see these images of you know what looks to be someone in the middle of a war wearing a gas mask you have a mysterious figure looking out a window or in prison rather or oh yeah true. with one eye and he's got bandages on yeah. quite similar to the librarians yeah definitely definitely pointed out yeah. Yeah. Um, you yeah. see people you know looking out airplane windows you see a gun pointed at someone you see a person driving in the street so you, you get the feeling these are ideas that are going to be explored later on and or potentially different time periods as well yeah that's know. that's a good call because um, you would think the war with the gas masks certainly a different time to old school typewriter or a kid relaxing yeah. in the plane with you know headphones on that kind of thing yeah um, but again so the next morning Ansel wakes up fires uh, he wants to go to the ceremony again I love the troll Charles Ooh, is important yeah <laughs> And he's sitting there waiting for him. He's like running late. I know, I know. Please hurry. I really owe you one. You owe me one goat pie. Um, the facial expressions are brilliant. <coughs> and um, Chris, Chris O'Halloran on the colours. Just utterly uh-huh. gorgeous stuff. Making it look like a real, real fantasy world. But not like a typical one, but like a really it lovely, has a, quaint one. It has enough of the tropes for us to recognise it. Yeah. You know, without going overboard on it, I think. Which is something I really enjoy. You never, you never think this is corny. Or no, but uh, no. So it goes to um, it goes into the ceremony, and you've got this great page. I love this, and there's something I noticed in this, which I'll, I'll maybe chat with you guys quickly about as well. Um, so at this point, they're showing a lot of the kids, and they're yelling out their different quests, and some of them are just funny, if nothing else. Yeah, this this seems to be the ceremony, the quest announcing ceremony, and. Uh, for this, whatever this, this coming of age thing is, you know. But all these characters you don't know except for one called Archer who you saw in the pub with yeah. uh, Ansel and I before. But what I noticed in this page, so there's all these different characters we don't know. They're all saying things like, you know, I'm going to find the golden apple of youth. Oh, and take a bite from it. Uh, my intent is to find the sleeping dragons of Gador and, and find them, that's all. But if you look at the lettering of all of these, it's all the same, except for this one in the middle, yeah, which is slightly lower. And it could just mean that they're saying it lowly. I intend to claim the Black Diamond of Forever. I think that's going to play a part later on. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a wee subtle pay attention to that um, to that panel. I think we've talked about this before, but um, in, in the Marvel Universe, characters that speak in lower case like that mm-hmm. are from the Ultimate Universe, the Miles Morales, you yeah. know, so they're you, you, the maker speaks in these tones you know or this whatever it represents yeah you know. it's like this one I think it's they're speaking in hushed tones because there's a few other even like below oh yeah you're Ansel right yeah to you're right but you're it's right. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's slightly like faded color, isn't it? yeah, yeah it's slightly faded which to me is sound whispering but I don't know maybe yeah, it might be nothing yeah. it might be me reading yeah, no, you could too be much right. into it you but could be right. I've just got a feeling as well you can't see their eyes they've got that cloak a little yeah. bit maybe like the librarians but I mean the gist of it well, is that is that Archer effectively unable to think of his own quest steals Ansel's quest which is yep. a which is a turn for, for Ansel because yeah because uh, what happens is that uh, is that the librarians come in you know on hearing that Ansel wants to quest to find the legendary folklords yeah uh, they come in and proclaim silence and then more or less brutalize or, or, or arrest um, Archer yeah and uh, request absolute silence cancel the quest ceremony uh, because the pursuit of false knowledge leads to the perpetuation of lies so these guys are clearly controlling knowledge uh, guarding against all dangers this includes dangerous ideas interesting that's a wee bit fascistic mm-hmm. um, 
that is why knowledge of or even pursuit of knowledge of the folklords or any other fictional narratives is expressly forbidden and then they decide they're going to hand out the quests themselves yeah and they ended up being all really boring stuff like uh, your quest is to find a rebellious gnome and report them to the librarian well they're they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're really boring stuff but they're they're kind of in the service of the librarians yeah uh, you know well, essentially making them spies yeah and monitor a troll ferry and report any suspicious activity yeah you know they're turning us into spies and informants but uh, yeah the, re- the gist of the rest of the book is just basically uh, Ansel ends up meeting up with Archer again Archer's apologising to him saying he panicked he couldn't think of a quest but Ansel just basically says we should go on our quest anyway screw the librarians and then Archer looks really surprised says our quest meet me at sundown so uh you have another nice scene with uh, with Charles the Troll. He better be in it more as well. Uh, I have to say, he's a scene stealer every yeah. time. But uh, yeah, they find a way to make it to the the edge of uh, the village, essentially. Uh, bypassing someone, a mysterious person in the way, uh, which is quite interesting. There's a, what looks to be a guard there, uh, who stops them, saying, you boys are in clear violation of the Guild of Librarians guidelines, punishable by immediate execution. That's like, where do you think you're going? Uh, I forgot my journal at a friend's house. They start to lie, and then the the knight says, "Really, that's disappointing. I thought you were going on a real quest." And lets them go. Well, what's interesting there is the knight wears red and has one eye uncovered, like the librarians, yeah, and yeah. he's also using the same weapon, the same uh, catcher device, man catcher that the librarians are using. Use, but yeah. but what's interesting in the way he acts and the way he appears is that. All of the librarians have their one of their eyes covered. They all have their right eye revealed. He has his left eye is his left eye revealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's something there uh, as well. I don't know what it is. Why you know? But this guy's there must be two different. I don't know if there's two different um, maybe types of librarian yeah. or. But yeah, it's definitely a difference between the right eye and the left eye. And if you look back, you know, to, to all the librarian scenes, you'll see it. It's it's standard. You know that. It's the right eye. Yeah, so it's uh, and then through the through the scenes where they appear in the at the questing ceremony, it's exactly the same. Um, it's always the it's always the right eye, but with this guy, it's the left eye, despite his similar dress and similar stance and the fact that you know he's like he he talks about the 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 guild of librarians guidelines, and then he's like, oh, that's really disappointing. I thought you were going to quest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so interesting. He'll be coming up later. Oh, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Um. Yeah, I mean, as I say, I, I pitched this to a lot of people in the store in the back of Boom's current run. You know, we've talked about them before. Something's Killing the Children, Once in Future. Uh, the Magicians was one last week Strange as well. Strange Skies. Strange Skies over East Berlin. And this, for me, it did not disappoint. Um, the word which just kept coming to me reading this was charming. Um, mm, yeah, absolutely. And, and also it was great reading something with a lot of depth to it and a lot of, uh, you know, a great lore being set up. But it's clearly suitable for all ages as well. At this point, yes, anyway, yeah. you know, and you don't see that an awful lot. You know, there there usually needs to be more darkness or a little bit of violence or maybe the odd swear word or whatever. Because it was still menacing, and the librarians yeah. were quite menacing it's too. It's kind of more yeah, of the ringsy feel to mean, me, yeah. you know. But this is, you know, I'd I'd be confident giving this to a ten year old. Yeah, no problem. For sure. You know, they would identify with Ansel. They would identify with the whole idea of kids going off on a quest and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the arts by Matt Smith, it's thoroughly excellent. Uh, perfect compliment to Ken's great writing. Um, the world created here, it's very vibrant, it's full of life. And the characters feel three-dimensional in it as well. They don't feel like just stereotypes. They actually feel, you know, like there's backstory there and there's history there. 
Um, the fantasy world as well, it, it feels geographically quite small, I think. Yeah, but, uh, as seen on the back know, cover, Ansel's known world. Yeah, I mean, like everyone seems to know everyone's business, you know, it's that kind of wee small village. But there also do seem to be several areas that are quite distinct that comes across in the art, like the crossing of the water with the troll and stuff like that. You know, there's it just feels and looks a bit different all around the village, which I really liked. Um, was going to say myself as well, made a wee note, you know, shout out to the colors, Chris O'Halloran, um, helping bring this world to life. It's you know, he definitely mixes the bright and the colourful with maybe the dark and slightly menacing. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, Speaking of, literally, this should be like a heavy metal album cover. Yeah. The second last <laughs> panel. Yeah. Oh my God, it's awesome. The hands, I, I clothes, fog. What you know, appears I'm, to be a librarian, possibly. I must admit, I didn't notice yeah. the hands. I noticed the moon being like the one eye. And it's on the right side as well. Yeah, yeah the whole thing, you know, yeah. around where they're going. There's an element of this as well that reminds me of Lord of the Rings with Frodo and Sam. Yeah. You know, Mr. Frodo, if I take one more step, I'll be further from home than I've ever been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's something, there's there's a couple of interesting things going on on this last page. Uh, first, the, the, the panel there says literally or literarily, mm-hmm. right? Two different, two different words that mean two different things. Yeah. Uh, literally means that something means exactly what it says in the literal or strict sense. Yeah. Literarily means something in relation to books or literature. And then the very, very last panel, the very bottom panel is an interesting one. You get an individual writing with a fountain pen in a book to be continued. But in front of them, it looks like there's a, a, a smartphone sitting yeah. or a... Uh, so. But he's writing in a fountain pen and there's like an old... It looks well. I don't know. It could yeah. be, but it looks like an old timey. I don't know cup, what's going know. on and what power do words really have. Yeah. Is this being written? Is this is this being written? Is it is this is, is that Ansel when he's older, Bilbo Baggins yeah, style, like his know. story? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it could be someone who maybe has a link to the fantasy world, the way Ansel has a link to the real world. Maybe, maybe this person's yeah. in the real world, yeah. you know, to be continued. Um, just on that, what you were saying as well about you know the literally and you know the power of words and all the rest. One last shout out I wanted to do was to Jim Campbell who does lettering. Um, if you notice the whole way through it, you know there's there's different shaped speech bubbles, there's different fonts used to differentiate between the characters. You know, I was talking a little bit before about Charles. If you look at his speech bubbles, for example, they're quite rough around uh-huh. the edges, yeah, yeah. whereas all the rest of them are very normal. Mm-hmm. Very right. Uh, his font is different. You know, you've got this narration which is on, as you say, what looks like torn scraps of paper. You know, knowledge is a freaking curse. Um, I'm going to find the folklords, folklords in different font and capitalized and stuff the way yeah. like if a Marvel or DC character were announcing themselves. Yeah. <laughs> There's just loads of nice touches throughout this book. Um, I was I was blown away by it, and I really can't wait for issue two. Um, I just I'm I'm going I'm I'm reading through it again, and I don't know if you notice, but the the only time you see. Uh, like word panels like narration panels are the first couple of pages and it starts with that once upon a time crossed out which has new meaning whenever you know that the individual at the end is using the fountain pen Mm -hmm. and has crossed this out and then it's this person Uh, so it's not I don't think that obviously this isn't Ansel narrating this no just this one time this kid this kid really did not belong kid dressed crazy the kid was way too cautious Uh, what this kid had yet to realise curiosity answers knowledge is a freaking curse you know so it's very very modern day sort of talking and yeah. it picks up then at the end with the literally literarily a curse is just one word uh, and what power do words really have anyway so there's 
there's something to be said about those panels as well. Yeah. Who's, who's writing them? Who the identity of the narrator is? You know, um, knowledge is a curse, but what is a curse really? Um, great stuff, fantastic stuff. And one final thing, just to say, and I really hope this becomes true, but we were talking a bit about how the back of Boom's books are really great as well. So the back of this one has a map, Ansel's known world, but you can see a road leading out of it. I really hope it's a connecting cover. Mm. Oh the yeah, back, yeah. It chronicles his journey. Or will they? Because I know certainly they crossed the tr- they crossed the village. Yeah. They across the river the and then went through and here. then they're moving towards so yeah. they're, they're, they're moving this way northwards so obviously Ansel's known world will get bigger as he comes yeah. to know more of his world you know so, so I really hope that'd be a lovely wee touch I think yeah um, very very cool but yeah uh, we ordered big on this it sold out pretty much day one uh, I have a few more copies coming this week in case anybody cool. does uh, like the sound of it, um, it really it's already back to yeah. second print oh, it's, it I think this is going to be the next boom book to you know, just go to the third, fourth, fifth just, print sort Just of thing. think of how frequent, like how in this, in the space of months, there is like about, would you say, four number ones from Boom, even five, yeah. um, that were just like, they could be a title of the year. Yeah, Best I mean, new yeah, series of yeah, the year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely, a, like, as I think as Alan has said, a Boom, a Boom Renaissance. Yeah. Yeah. And not, not to mention uh, as well, they have all the, like, Buffy and, yeah, and uh, the Firefly, Firefly stuff yeah, as well, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, I would never have thought I would have been picking up as many Boom books <laughs> yeah. as I have done the past few. And, I mean, they've got some great great writers on board and great yeah. artists on board, you know, so they've really, the Boom really seems to have turned a corner, like. Yeah, very know. much so. Um, keep them coming, that's all I say. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, yeah, so that was me. That was uh, my pick of the week, which I think I got just because I picked it just yeah. before these guys. That was you, but I think it was kind of all of us. <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> uh, so that was Folklore's number one, writer Matt Kint, and art by Matt Smith. What have you got for us, Roddy? Oh, am I up? Oh, yeah, you are up. Sure I am up. I am one-handed. <laughs> so, <laughs> Keith. Yes, uh, I unfortunately, my wrist is still broken, so I'm still... Still asking for help from all my lovely you're still friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's been two weeks, has it? Lots of comics. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah. I got a new cast on, so hopefully this will be four weeks, and then that'll only, be me. only someone who reads comic books with characters like Wolverine in it, who he very fast, you know, is going two weeks, and my wrist is still broken. What's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Do you know? Should we? Should we do a wee shout out before we get to my pick? I thought we were going to do all the picks first. We'll do all the picks first. Yeah. Oh, okay. We'll Don't do mess. With Man's going off piece here. So that's <laughs> like the wing it. Yeah, we're winging it. <laughs> so my pick. Um, have we really talked about it before? I don't know. But my pick is Gideon Falls, number eighteen, by Jeff Amir, Andrea Sorrentino, and Dave Stewart. Okay, so give me a wee uh, update on what uh, Gideon Falls is about. So Gideon Falls. See, I always describe very, it as rural it's horror. Rural horror yeah. But it's not really that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it start the first like oh, it starts off as a rural horror. Um, basically there's a new a new it's a two different perspectives. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's you get the perspective of a priest rolls into this small rural town of Gideon Falls. Mm-hmm. Um and discovers that something is not quite right he's got like a bit of a past he's been shopped around different uh, I was going to say parishes but that's not the right w- word for America is it 
we'll uh, go with parish. Different, different like precincts or something. Um, <laughs> Church, churchy precincts. Yeah. Um, so he's he's got quite a history. He's done something. You know, there's something mysterious in his backstory. But he starts to get these visions of uh, a black barn when he reaches Gideon Falls. And then we also have a parallel of um, Norton Sinclair, he's called, and he's sort of um, a troubled man. He's visiting uh, a doctor for a lot of mental health problems. He's um, collecting bits of, he searches trash for like little bits of uh, material, and you don't mm-hmm. quite know what for at the moment. Um, What's he building in there? Hmm. But yeah, um, this series for me is like one of the most unique and inventive comic books I have ever seen. And this one, this is the Pentaculus Part 2, all of his kingdoms. There's a lot of religious iconography in it. Um, but it's really, I know I'm I'm possibly the only, um, is there anyone else in the store picking it up? There's probably a few people. 15 yeah. people in their post. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, can name me a couple straight off the top of my head. Um, yeah. Kyle Hutchie, right yeah. Kyle Fisher. Um, no, there's a, a few guys too. But um, I don't, I don't want to. It's hard to talk about because I don't want to spoil it for you. But it is a spoiler podcast, so we knew what we signed up it for. Remind, it reminds me of something like I don't know if you've ever read or seen a show called Wayward Pines. Yeah. 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 So the first episode, and I suppose it, it's kind of inspired by Twin Peaks, isn't it? Um, well, Wayward Pines is a poor man's Twin Peaks. Yeah. But it's like the first episode is. Speaking of which, you've been off work for two weeks now. You should have watched all the Twin Peaks. Lend, lend me the DVDs. What is going on? <laughs> is it on any streaming platform? I'll switch no? out there. Um, but yeah, it's like what the book is and what it becomes is two different, com- like two completely different things. Right. And the first, first sort of two arcs are very horror tinged, and some of the creepiest stuff I've ever seen. There's uh, the villain is called the Laughing Man, yeah, and yeah. he usually he sort of appears in these sort of creepy panels where you don't quite notice him at first, and then you do. But there might be one. Hopefully, there's one in number eighteen. Yeah, well, just, yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Looks kind of like a weird gimp-looking thing. Yep, <laughs> that's him. <laughs> but um, Andrea Sorrentino's art is just phenomenal. The way could be Jeff Lemire as well. Like just laying out. I would love to know how they discuss this book and how they lay different things out. Because some of the panels are just awesome. There's loads of two-page double spreads. There's loads of just like wacky shit going on. But it's also, it's really intriguing. It would be interesting to know that process, actually, because Jeff LeBear is an artist in his own right. Yeah. Um, But it's also, it's very, like, human-focused as well. Very family-focused. There's a lot lot of things, like, unseen and unsaid between there's a family dynamic about a police officer in Gideon Falls, and she lost her brother, and the priest is sort of helping her. Right. work through your issues I mean it's it's a weird one but it's a together story like it's a they yeah they said um, I think in the very first book I was rereading it for a bit of research and they said they have it all planned out uh, okay I mean so the, the art is, a, every is definitely arc. a wee bit disturbing yeah it's yeah it's got that kind of creepy off kilter yeah. vibe and you, I just don't want to there's so much I like I don't usually don't mind spoilers like I would be happy enough for someone would be like oh this this guy is such and such or whatever mm-hmm. but 
but there's so much to this story that you almost you just have to pick it up and read it and get it in trades because it's yeah I mean there's uh, there's three trades so far um, it's become another one of those series that we always try to keep on the shelves um, so all three are not on the shelf at this yes. particular moment <laughs> but all three but are coming be. to my delivery tomorrow um, but, um, but yeah, this this is the team that did um, that are doing Joker Killer Smile together. This is the team that did Green Arrow together. This is the team that did Hawkeye together. Uh-huh. Like these guys, mm. they seem to be one of those teams a bit like a Brubaker Phillips or a you know Kits and Stegman or you know Schneider Capullo. These guys seem to bring out the best of each other. You know what they're doing. I mean, you'll see it as well if just if you go back to the cover there. But the cover, you know, recently won Eisner oh, for Eisner best Award new series. Best new word, okay. um, so oh, it is very, very highly regarded. The covers are fantastic. The wow. covers play off the same image yeah. for a long time, don't they? It's like a sideways head, uh, yeah, but Yeah, because um, 16, was it 15 and 16? Were like the reverse of each other, and it was really, really beautiful. They were just like a red, red background, but um, like two different heads like within each other uh-huh. and then the other one 15 is one and 16 is re- the reverse of it it's fantastic starts off as rural horror is now something completely beyond completely um, beyond is, in, a, in a Lovecraftian sort of a way or a I don't want to spoil okay alright alright that's a very decent movie there's very decent yeah movie. well it is um, it has been solicited for a TV show and it's ah. James Wan who is the Oh really? Oh, okay. He of the Conjuring Universe slash Aquaman. Um, but he has um Fast and Furious? Um I think uh, that's Justin Lin you're thinking. Oh okay, of. right. Only the greatest DC movie of all time. What? Aquaman? There was nothing wrong with Aquaman. <laughs> Aquaman's a great movie. It's not the greatest DC movie of all time. Talk about trolling something. <laughs> <laughs> He's just sitting here doing his Mr. Burns, you know, fingers yes. together. Nice. Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> My wrist is too in pain for that. Release uh, the yeah. one cut. No, there, <laughs> there is a part of me that is actually quite thankful to you right now for not spoiling it because yeah, I'm on tra- I've read the first two trades mm-hmm. and I've been loving it. Um, it's just obviously we read so much sometimes yeah, I fall yeah. a bit behind but okay, given my love of stuff like Twin Peaks and White yeah. Pines I enjoyed the first season I never yeah. watched the second so, one did it make a second season? it did yeah, yeah, had, yeah. it had a different main actor in it but the first season was uh, we call him Matt Dillon yeah. second season I think was Jason Patrick because I, I had read the books before and yeah. really enjoyed them but the, the, the first not to go on a weird tangent but the first episode is like the entire first book and yeah. it's just like Whereas this is the compete, they were just like, let's throw freaking everything at this. Yeah. Whereas this was like, they don't even have this. I think this is the first one where it's like an actual, you know, a typical comic book art mm. uh, arc. This one's like the Pentaculus, like part one of you yeah. know, five or whatever. The the other ones were just called, you know, they would just have a name. It wouldn't be part yeah whatever, part one of five, whatever, or you know. So and I like the way they have it they have it all well they seemingly have it and definitely from reading it they seemingly have it all mapped out any hints as to how long it'll go for? I don't know I don't know it could go on for a while because it feels like the Pentaculus is leading up to a major revelation you know but I don't know could could go on for a long time could end maybe in 10 issues I don't know yeah well either way yeah. keep a compliment so such quality absolutely I've always yeah. been a fan yeah. of the artist um, Sorrentino um, but like 
because in terms of page layouts and stuff he's very very unique yeah, panels, I, panels within panels and all sorts so I'd go for a hundred ooh close almost 10 by so 10 so like there's a double page spread with over 100 panels that's that's basically what you have and then excuse me there's just like just loads of really crazy unique and inventive ideas that you know I don't think I've ever seen in like any other comic yeah so it always takes me back to the the first one there was like a a double page spread where I think it's Norton is like he's got all these photos like cataloged yeah. off like all his uh, his uh, I was gonna say something there off his uh, collection of parts if we will and they're just like they're somebody like destroys them and they go spread out completely and it's a double page spread of all these different photos just yeah. flying about it's, wow. un- it's absolutely unreal definitely worth checking out yeah just I just don't want to spoil it because <laughs> like if if you ever read it and somebody tells you okay it is now this yeah yeah okay so. fair enough fair enough cool uh, well yeah that was Gideon Falls 18 Jeff Lemire and Andreas Sorrentino many thanks Roddy for not spoiling it and uh, I'm just going to return the favour by not spoiling the latest issue of Oblivion so I'm by picking it because that, that is the I'm the reverse yeah. of Alan and you guys there I'm a trade reader on yeah, the Oblivion yeah. song do you want me to leave the room no not at all no, 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 no. I'm a trade reader as well oh, yeah, 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 so yeah. therefore uh, I'm going to pick but it would have been up there it would have definitely yeah. been up there definitely been up there so well we couldn't have had an indie trilogy could I guess, we? We I guess could. it's like well a, we, yeah. we could we could easily <laughs> I suppose uh, it's like a testament so like you can't read everything but we, we do yeah. try but I'll yeah. tell you what though I think I'm going to give that those first six a, a go yeah um, there's image first of it in store as well oh, really? so if you okay. want to just dip your toe in with a wee number one for a pound cool those well if there's one of those I'll uh, okay so, cool that perfect be certainly done we'll certainly grab one of those <laughs> images first so uh, I'm gonna I had as I say I had 15 15 issues this week it was a relatively average sort of week I think that's me, exactly quite a wee bit, wee bit light uh, it was definitely Marvel heavy uh, with a, a sprinkling of DC and a sprinkling of uh, of uh, independence uh, be that image and boom um, but I am going to true to form pick uh, the first issue of the final series to be released final number one of the Dawn of X titles there were six of them wasn't that right yep um, at this stage we're familiar with the X-Men X-Force Excalibur New Mutants Marauders and this is Fallen Angels Fallen Angels uh, number one Brian Edward Hill um, known at the moment for Angel uh, also Batman and the Outsiders um, bunch of different bits and pieces and Zyman Kurdansky um uh, Kudransky sorry uh, on art um, it's the biggest draw for me for that title yeah absolutely I mean he's, he's just got Punisher. S- yep he's got stuff all over the place like uh, as an anchor and a, as a, a penciler across all the companies and, uh, and all the years so uh, so it's interesting this was the one that I was sort of least looking forward to of the six the one I was maybe a wee bit less familiar with uh, what they were going to do, but I think this is the, these are sort of the maybe the wayward children of the. This is the, the X twenty three book. Well, well, yeah, it's a, it's the Psylocke book. Um, uh, so on the cover we've got Psylocke, uh, Cable, the young version of Cable, now the only version of Cable, and X twenty three, as Roddy says. Um, it's really, really beautifully, uh, beautifully penciled and inked. Um, a lot of dark darkness and shadows, and it seems to be open in. Um, I think it's Hong Kong 
and we're talking about Quanon, the goddess of mercy, but Quanon is something specific to uh, the, the, the background of Psylocke. So Psylocke is the uh, telepathic, telekinetic X-Men, X-Men, the, the ninja uh, who uh, produces telepathic swords and telepathic daggers from her from herself and you know she plunges one of those into your heads and she's gonna totally mangle your memory mangle your mind and, and you know so but she's a, a skilled ninja now uh, Psylocke the Psylocke that we've known for the past god 20 20 years in the X-Men uh, was Betsy Braddock Betsy Braddock being the sister of Brian Braddock Captain Britain uh, a Caucasian uh, English woman uh, who she was a mutant, I think she was a telekinetic mutant, but uh, through a series of misadventures she found her mind in the body of uh, this uh, Asian uh, ninja female uh, called Quanon. So she effectively owned Quanon's body, um, took on those, those mutant powers uh, and was known as Psylocke for the longest time. Uh, Psylocke, Betsy Braddock, um, one woman's mind in another woman's body. Um, but with the reintroduction of what's happened in Powers of X and Donovan, you know, Powers of X and House of X, uh, specifically House of X, we know that they have reintroduced a lot of the original mutants through the mechanism of regrowing them in eggs and then Charles Xavier implanting their memories into them. So prior to this, in Astonishing Matthew Rosenberg's Astonishing X-Men, Betsy got her original body back. Uh, so her mind vacated the body of Quanon and Quanon, who I believe was just hidden in there, she was she was in the background, uh, I think. Um, she has now got her body back and is now known as Psylocke. She retains her powers. Uh, Betsy, as we know, in Excalibur has become Captain Britain, Britain. Uh, taking over from where her brother has left off. So they mentioned Quanon. That's a that there's your there's your potted history of of who Quanon is. Quanon was also known as Revanche. That was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's also known as Revanche, which is the I believe it's the Japanese word for revenge. Um, so anyway Quanon's mentioned this uh, this girl with a tattoo of a butterfly in her neck uh, she's on this train I think it's in Hong Kong and she pulls out this little device which connects to her ear and to her head this device is called Overclock which we learn later on in the issue uh, Overclock whatever it does it does something mad here this wee girl is absolutely uh, her eyes turn black she starts dismantling people on the train she punches the door off the off the, the train cabin uh, takes over control of the play pay, the 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 train says the word apoth a-p-o-t-h and uh crashes crashes the train apparently killing possibly herself and uh and everywhere else and in the background we're talking about uh Quanon, we're talking about the goddess of mercy uh we're talking about krakoa and because i am not safe because i'm not safe to know but we now have a place called krakoa soon i will tell you of it uh, little one we have both under our mercy so as is the case with all of these uh, books the first issues at least we meet uh, we meet the, the end credit sequence baby end credit sequence <laughs> peace in our time mutants around the world are flogging to the island nation of Krakoa for safety security and be part of the first mutant society new bonds are forged among you kind as old wounds heal but the drums of war still beat for some uh, the book stars Psylocke Magneto Mr. Sinister Cable X-23 and Captain Britain being Betsy Braddock um, and uh, again Jonathan Hickman head of X uh, <laughs> so yeah there's, there's a lot there's a lot to unpack in this book um, we see a little bit of uh, Quanon now as I say inhabiting her own body known as Psylocke uh, she's 
she's trying to find peace. This this is a woman of war, a ninja, a trained a trained uh, killer, um, uh, trained by like a death cult at that. And she's trying to find she's trying to find peace, trying to find peace in Krakoa. This is this this is a through line from X Force. You know, can there be peace? Yeah. Um, but uh, she has a, a vision, a dream. Uh, again, the word apoth, apoth comes up. Uh, apoth is a god. You must kill a god. Um, you know, uh, and she's she's driven towards someone. Uh, you will wither here, Psylocke, in the bosom of Xavier's peace. Take up this war. Um, so this is someone who who can't sit. She, I mean, she has this she has this this mad vision, um, and she remembers the word apoth, apoth, uh, and goes to visit Magneto at the house of M. And uh, they 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 these are obviously to be read in an order because again they refer to. Uh, I mean, we've already said it's a spoiler-filled podcast, so they refer to uh, the the assassination of Charles Xavier and how the mutant island of Krakoa is on lockdown. Nobody leaves, nobody comes in, but Betsy needs to leave to to pursue this this vision. Uh, it wasn't a dream. We're not safe here from what it could mean. I definitely need to go here. Um, you know, and Magneto has clearly stepped up in Charles's stead to rule the island, uh, to rule the mutants, and he effectively gives her gives her an out you know he says uh, uh, you know you, you may not leave the island you should go east from here you'll find sinister tell him of your visions he may find them of interest you know she says you give me a rule and now you're helping me to break it he goes I have no idea what you mean in my grief over Charles death I forget conversations officially thank you don't thank me I haven't done anything you know, so sure enough, she goes to visit. She goes to visit. Forever the politician. Quite. Uh, she goes to visit uh, Sinister at Bar Sinister and tells him a little about it. And Sinister effectively, she makes a promise to Sinister um, uh, to, to to deliver something. Uh, she Sinister refers to her as Quanon, and she asks not to be referred to as Quanon, uh, but rather to be referred to as Psylocke because Quanon is a shackle, not a name. Um, she makes a promise that. Uh, if he lets her, if he finds a way off, uh, you know, she will, she will deliver a path to him in order that he can do whatever experiments he needs to do on her on a, on a path whenever and as long as she gets a chance to kill a path whenever it's done, you know. So, so yeah, so uh, we we see a little more of 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 Quanon's history being raised by this uh, by this death cult uh, and. We see we we then we then meet uh, on the island and there seems to be a lot of partying goes on in Krakow, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, they're all getting soft. Yeah, well, that's as, as Wolverine has said, and <laughs> Wolverine's daughter seems to pick up that particular through line as well. Um, Cable, young Cable, asks, "You don't dance, Laura, or you just don't like the music?" Um, this isn't how I like to party, Cable. And how does X twenty three like to dance? She says, "I could show you, but it might hurt a little." He's like don't make promises you can't keep <laughs> you know so uh, these two meet anyway and uh, and uh, Psylocke uh, comes to find them she's looking for a specific set of individuals soldiers she's looking for, for soldiers and um, she recruits Laura uh, X-23 and Nathan Cable uh, to her uh, to her uh, her hunt um, they both go willingly because she's not safe no she's not <laughs> So again, that that through line of safety, Alan. Um, there's a brief interlude, three panels where uh, Betsy from the other side of the fire, Betsy Braddock says Psylocke, and Psylocke says Braddock, and Betsy says Psylocke. I was wondering if we could 
Psylocke walking away says we don't need to you know so interesting there's still a lot of you know what's going on there but um anyway uh, they go out into the world uh, they decide they're going to leave uh, they meet at the house and they decide they're going to leave um nate behind uh, x23 says i'll go cable stays she says you speak for him uh, x23 says i know him you don't know either of us he's a soldier you give him a command he'll do it but he needs this place he deserves this place you know, and uh, the reason the motivation for Laura to go along is she wants a life without looking shadow. So the two of them, uh, the two of them had to. Sorry, I was wrong. I said Hong Kong. It was Tokyo. <laughs> the two of them had to Tokyo, where the overclock incident uh, took place. We learn a little bit in uh, in a text page about what overclock is. It's a it's a, a virtually untraceable uh, device made from parts of legal technology that is a virtual narcotic um, that creates hacks into the central nervous system and creates a euphoria. Uh, we have quotes from a guy from Dublin uh, who was using it. We have quotes from uh, members of the International Association <laughs> of Neurotechnology. The danger of overclock, the bliss state, the, the, the fact it slows down time for the user, uh, the spread of it across North and South America, across Europe, um, speculation about who the creator of overclock is. Um, you know, and again, overclock was that device that the kid was using at the start. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, they they they, they track down uh, after a fantastic combat uh, with uh, with some contacts of Psylocke. Some, uh, you know, and there's there's a moment where Psylocke sees the the tattoo in the back of the kid's neck and realizes that comes to the realization that this that this kid uh, is a is a long lost daughter. Um. So. That's kind of interesting. Um, the, the creator of Overclock uh, speaks to Psylocke and, and X23 the, the, through these five children who are using the Overclock devices and uh, you know kills them all off, You know, asking to be left to peace. Um, you're a coward that kills children. I guess this is Apoth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you ever killed a child, you would, you would know how hard it is. Go back to your exile mutants. Without you, this world will finally evolve. Leave me to my peace. Um, so yeah, it's it's a lovely looking book. Um, it's gorgeous, absolutely. It gorgeous really is thing. fantastic. There's uh, there's some some great stuff. They that Laura and Psylocke return to uh, Krakoa with this information. Uh, you know, she returns to Sinister, and in the, in the panel and the, the page with Sinister, there's there's this there's these um, like roots or uh, branches are drawn around the panel, and it makes me wonder. Do you remember? in House of X they talked about there being these seeds that did different things flowers that did different things mm-hmm. and one of them created a dead zone that Krakoa couldn't detect within its own body do you remember that? yeah mm-hmm. it makes me wonder whether this is where she has met Sinister because this is now this is now top secret you know so uh-huh. I don't know I'm not sure it's just a thought you know and, and that's the point at which you know she re-recruits Cable um, and I brought Cable uh, I'll need a team I'll recruit them you keep your existence. You keep our existence from the council. Uh, I'll bring a path back to you. Whatever, you, whatever he is, whatever you can do, it's yours. And then I kill him. So this is the mission. You know, we're going to start to see this team form. It's a team of fallen angels. Uh, but so far, we've got the three of them: Psylocke, X twenty three, and uh, and Cable. And uh, she's charged. She charges uh, Laura and Nathan with uh, with finding others that she can trust. Uh, she says. I don't have a choice. Your caterpillars, glistening and soft, 
but I can make you butterflies. So <laughs> this is Linking really back to the butterflies. Yeah, tattoo as exactly, well. exactly. So really <laughs> interested in that. Any changes on the reading order there at the back? Um, let me see. Uh, sorry, Where I just got just the release, that. release order. It is anything interesting to well, I mean, it is release order but I would presume it's uh, reading order as well because there yeah. are certain titles there that mm. two of them are out in the same week interesting you should oh, ask Roddy yeah. so uh, our reading order the first for the number ones was X-Men Marauders Excalibur New Mutants X-Force Fallen Angels our reading order for number twos begins with X-Men again but then Excalibur and then Marauders so it changes those two around and then New Mutants, X-Force and Fallen Angels. So they've changed Excalibur and Marauders around for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, now that said... That was DC, that said they're out the same week. They're, they're out, they are out the same week, so it could just be alphabetical, whereas the previous week they were out different weeks. So yeah, so yeah, I don't. It's hard to say, Roddy. I don't get, know. Get Hickman on the phone. Yeah, I need answers. No, nothing so far has been an accident, <laughs> so it's possible that that isn't yeah. either. Um, that was uh, my pick, Fallen Angels, for so, uh, for that week. Were you trying to throw a slide in there at DC? I did. Yeah, I did. Can if we, it was DC, they would just be like, "Well, can we leave? Yeah, we we'll mess it up." Sorry. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll publish this, issue yeah. twelve before we put <laughs> number ten out. So, <laughs> tell me this: What's been your favorite uh, number one of the X books? We, we spoke about this earlier on um, Alan and I did anyway um, for me I think now Fallen Angels has, has sort of jumped up the list a wee bit for me mm. um, and actually it was it was because Vicky and I sat down earlier yeah. on and we talked our way through so it worked bits and pieces yeah out. exactly so I would say I'm enjoying X-Men mm-hmm. maybe the most no, you have but, had two issues of it. But I've had I've had two issues. But the, the, from the first, the first, uh, the number ones, I would say X Force. So yeah, X Force, X Men. X Force felt like the first one that had consequences. Yeah. Oh yes, that's yeah. for yeah. me why it was the best because it thematically hit hardest most. Yeah, I think so. And then you know, but the maybe game. Fallen Angels. New Mutant Six Caliber. In fairness, I haven't read Fallen yeah. Angels yet, but you know, you don't need to. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to sit back to this again. Um, so yeah, that's all really strong stuff. I mean, you've said it before, Alan. You know, yeah. It, 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 I always had the thing with all these X books being quite cynical. Maybe Keith was rubbing off on me, yeah. um, <laughs> but it was a case of I didn't like the idea that we had to buy all these books. Yeah. But now it's a yeah. case of you want to because the quality is there. Yeah. You know, the art teams there, the writing teams are there. They're clearly all locked in a room together, big writing yeah. room saying, right, you do this part, you do this part. It's brilliantly coordinated. Um, it's the, for me, it's the fact that they are all differentiated books. They now yeah. all have a character. X-Men is the core book. Um, Marauders, that's the slightly offbeat. That's the, like the pirate, the X-Men at sea. Yeah. Weird theme freebooters. Uh, Excalibur is magic, magic X-Men. Uh, new Mutants is the New Mutants that currently in, 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 in space, space. Yeah. X-Force is the paramilitary organisation and Fallen Angels is the bad boys the, you know the, the illegal uh, yeah. not quite sure the Black Ops the the Black Ops. well almost the Black Ops yeah so uh, whereas I say X-Force is more of the like the CIA I think mm. so so yeah it's uh, just it's just the way they've been planned as well they all have like that opening four pages they all yeah. have here's your cast in the books they all have the extra information where you need it to give that depth um, um, yeah, it's been a real, a real sort of education almost in how to launch a title. Uh, last night, Matthew Rosenberg tweeted that he uh, he liked answering questions from fans, so obviously opened the floodgates for fans to answer the questions. So I was like, 
well, given all these fantastic X books by uh, by Jonathan Hickman, whereas you know the uh, the government sanctioned team of mutants that wants to work with the human governments, written by X Factor, written by Matthew Rosenberg. <laughs> He liked that tweet. <laughs> Coming soon, X Factor number one. I would say. Um, yeah, so that's uh, those are all the main titles. We obviously wanted to, you know, give a bit of depth and a bit of a chat about. Um, we all, of course, because we read so much, we all have other titles we enjoyed. Um, we'll start off there, bringing it back to indie wise. Sea of Stars. Thoroughly yeah, brilliant. Number five. Jason um, Aaron and Dennis Hallam. Uh, Stephen Green on writing. Rico Renzi on colours. Stephen Green on art. Um, did I say? Yes, said he was writing. Everybody Stephen else Green. is writing. Yeah, Stephen Green yeah. on art. Um, yeah, I mean, again, the, the, the honourable mentions here at the end aren't going to go into too much detail, but this is one I don't think you've been reading, Roddy. Nope. Highly yeah, recommend. Get a trade. Um, in, when think. this hits trade, this, is, this has been great stuff so far. At its, at its core, it's a very simple story of a father trying to reconnect with his son, uh, both literally and literarily. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see what you did there. See what I did there. Uh, but yeah, beautiful book. Um, We're great. learning a wee bit more about the, the outer universe, the outer worlds that his father told him to keep away from. It's a... Uh, we'll learn a wee bit more of the characters Dolphin yeah. and uh, Dolphin and Monkey yeah. um, and, uh, and about Caden you know and uh, yeah we're starting to things are starting to move forward a wee bit we're trying to you know we're, we're getting a context of what has happened earlier in the book um, and yeah there's definitely there's definite progress being made here uh, there's some some fantastic moments yeah seeing a bit of redemption as well for certain characters and then you get things like these beautiful double page spreads yeah. Where the art, because there's no context, you've no idea what's going on there. But, really but I do have around. to ask you: Is that the same creature from the first episode, first issue? I think it is. Yeah. I think so too. Um, but yeah, Sea of Stars, very strong, uh, great title so far. I think that'll I mean, actually be a big seller when it comes to yeah, trade with Jason Aaron on it. Well, now that he's got a bit more time, because yeah, he's more, only got yeah. two issues of King That's Thor. right, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Also coming in tomorrow for myself, uh, Jason Aaron's first volume. Yes, fantastic. I'm really looking forward to, to, to hearing what you think of, of Jason Aaron's Thor. Now we know you've got around to get around. <laughs> I'm going to have to get around to ordering it too. Yeah, uh, then cool. I'm finally getting to it. Um, One from yourself, Roddy? Yeah, well, where am I? Um, I'll throw in a wee mention to this uh, graphic novel that I bought like randomly um, you had mentioned this on the, previews. on the previews yeah yeah um, it was originally it started life as Kickstarter actually and um, I think they did it much like Simon says that we talked about um, they did a Kickstarter for like an issue one and then I believe Image caught wind of it and were like here we'll do the rest um, so was Image the Nazi Hunter wasn't it yep yeah so um, yeah La Voz de Mayo M-A-Y-O the Mayo uh, Ramble the Mexican American Yaque organization yep um, yeah it was like it's it's really quite hard to describe because it's not like a typical comic book that I've read uh, the art by so it's written by Henry Barajas and is it Jay Gonzo let me just see yeah Jay Gonzo did the art and the colors and oh my god i love i love 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 the art in this i love the style of it i love the color i love the way everything just pops at you it's very vibrant 
very vibrant looking book about a very sort of bleak time in their lives there's a lot of contrast in it so um if you don't know it focuses on i can't remember the guy's name uh ramon jarik yeah who's an orphan a world war ii veteran so he's got they sort of go through it's um henry barias is his great grandson Mm -hmm. and he henry when you read the stuff at the back um Henry didn't really know about a lot of the Yaki tribe and there's not a lot of history written about them and their struggles in America Um, because there's a lot of, they're obviously a native tribe, there's a lot of land issues, they were tried tried to be ousted from their land and um, so basically it's like, it's not really like a comic, it's like a series of this happened and then this happened and then this happened. Events rather than a narrative, or yes, um, but it's almost, it's also, a, almost like a history book. Yeah, Henry is writing it, sort of like just as his thoughts flow. Almost, um, mm-hmm. it's really it's not like it starts and this is the story. Here's the end. It's like a sort of I don't know what you would describe it. Um, it's just like a stream of consciousness to the history, if at all. Um, oh, wow, it's really okay. good. It's really something I knew absolutely nothing about, mm-hmm. um, but. It's really cool. It's got like really some of the coolest back matter that I've ever seen in a comic. It's obviously got all the features, all the Kickstarter backers um, in names, but it's also got the La Voz de Mayo newspapers, which is pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. So this this would be like uh, self-published newsletters from the Santa Rosa Church. Uh, Obviously, that was the Mexican-American Yaqui organization that would keep the community informed. Um, and this was like prints from 50-odd years ago. But it's like stupid stuff, like church functions and all this stuff. But um, it's really good. And like updates in the community. Some are in English, some are in Spanish. Loads of photos in there. Yeah, it's just like a really... like. It's like a time capsule of a really, really interesting period, and yes, yeah, something that I maybe ashamedly didn't really know much about. But hopefully, I'm a little bit more educated. So nice. It's really cool, really cool pickup. So I'd really recommend that for someone who likes their history comics. Sweet. Maybe not for everyone, but uh, certainly a definitely a pickup for me. Lovely. Hi, but no. Go on, throw another one out. Keith, it was perilously close to being yeah, this everybody's. My, I think this is my. Other one. <laughs> so we we all read this. We did. Uh, so we're looking at issue eleven of I believe twelve of yeah. uh, Chip Zdarsky's Invaders series. Um, so great cover. We have uh, uh, Captain America and uh, Namor the Submariner, um, King Namor, uh, stranded on a on a d- desert island um, or on an island um, after the the end of the last issue. Um, it's an interesting cover that because usually you don't associate Wilson. Captain America with you don't associate him with giving up hope but that's what he kind of, he kind of looks beaten there yeah and, and Namor looks angry um, I guess there's a wee bit of a twist in it and that uh, at the end of the last issue uh, Namor was exposed to the uh, the Genus gas which has previously uh, Winter Soldier and Cap had exposed themselves to Genus gas in order to be mutated into Atlanteans in order that they could breathe water Uh, not air to allow them to undertake a mission at the end of the last issue Bucky and uh, sorry uh, Cap and Namor were exposed to the gas which made Cap human again but also made Namor human (laughs) and mortal and he did not like that and he did not like that (laughs) one bit 
so we get into the story. Um, I mean, it's been a, it's, it's it's been a great. The, the overall arc of the story has been fantastic, yeah. involving Roxon, involving uh, Namor being not possessed, but uh, an element of his personality, uh, a rogue element of his personality. Um, I guess uh, taking over and, and attacking humanity and some explanations as to why Namor has been so good and bad and good and bad and good and bad over the years you know mm-hmm. flip-flop um, but um, there's a lovely uh, first page set in Arlington Arlington County in the cemetery in Virginia the military military cemetery were uh, very early in, uh, in Cap's uh, I guess after his rebirth after you know being rescued from the ice by the Avengers, uh, it, it must only be weeks, maybe maybe months after that, and uh, Iron Man has airlifted Cap into, uh, and at this time, Cap still doesn't know that nobody knows that Iron Man is Tony Stark, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, but anyway, uh, Iron Man drops Cap off to check out um, James Bucky Buchanan Barnes' uh, gravestone. Uh, and he says, you know, I'm sorry you never said to Iron Man, I'm sorry you never got to meet him, he was the bravest soldier you've ever known. Uh, I could have, have you okay, Cap? Yeah, I'm sorry, he goes, my memories are still hazy, but there's something, there's a flower sitting on sitting on, on Bucky's grave, and, and Cap recognises it, and the reason he recognises it is because it's native to Atlantis, and uh, and uh, Namor has uh, has left that, that flower there for his, for his comrade, but anyway, we're stuck on the island, and Cap's doing some a lot of fishing Namor's everybody's bearded because you know whenever you get stuck on an island you yeah, get a beard he's uh, looking like Aquaman there like who is old Captain America old Cap yeah uh-huh. um, there's a yeah there's a there's a there's a blonde bearded Cap yeah. spear fishing and Namor uh, obviously destitute of being human human <laughs> just sitting there you know um, so yeah they they talk about the difference between being a king and leadership and you know, uh, Namor's like, well, we're stranded here. I'm now human. The man who infected my brain is hours away from setting off an earth-changing device. And here you are, the great Captain America, planning his next moves. When the both of us, when what's next for the both of us is death. You know, and uh, Cap is actually contrary to the to the front cover. Cap is being yeah. I thought the front cover is a bit weird because he's yeah. like really hopeful. <clears throat> obviously, like the Cap, very optimistic, and but it's uh, yeah. So the more that's the, a broken one. The the modern story is, is again set against this backdrop of a of a, a post World War Two uh, post Cap coming out of the ice story, and you know, following the visit to the graveyard, he he uh, he goes out to sea and uh, attracts Namor's attention and. You know, it's the first time. This is this is what I loved about this. It's the first time that Cap and Namor have met mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. Cap went into the ice. You know, and and what's great about how he sort of tracks him down is he sees that newspaper article of um, Mr. Fantastic fighting Namor. Yeah, yeah, former World War Two <laughs> Namor, hero Namor strikes at New York on behalf of Atlantis. You know, uh, you know these glowing bubbles have attracted the attention of Prince Namor. Have added human, and he's like Namor, it's me, Steve. I was frozen for decades. Uh, you know, and then he saw the flyer. Uh, to sh- to, uh, I remember back to the war to you when you showed me your beautiful home and its flowers. Your memories have come back too, haven't they? Because as we know, I mean, this is a celebration of Marvel's eighty years, and we're we're familiar. We've talked about a couple of times over the last year about how Namor had lost his memories, mm-hmm. uh, and they came back. You know, post World War Two. You know, and uh, yeah. So it's you know, caps. Cap, you know, Namor's wondering when I fell into the water. Why did you save me, Steve? was the right thing to do the right thing it must be so wonderful to live in a world of black and white and caps like man we fought in the war together 
you know everybody sees Captain America as a moral compass but it's just me Steve Rogers making up for for you were there you know what we did in the war you know um, you know uh, Charles Xavier your fellow king did the wrong thing and affected your mind but they, they cross across the island and and now uh, they discover this uh, it's like a it looks like a broadcast tower and a, a broadcast bunker you know and there's a really really cool scene here it's just a tiny wee scene at the start and you know neighbors like come on or as cap's like right let's stay focused this may be our way off the island and uh cap has previously lodged his shield and anger in a in a tree and he pulls it out and he says what is it he goes uh, military hopefully friendly but military but just in case any hands namor the shield <laughs> you know which is just it's fantastic and neighbors like what he goes you're human now and while i have no doubt you could hold your own in a possible fight you're probably too used to bullets bouncing off you which is, you know, again, this is Cap. Cap's the man. Cap is, Cap's a man, and he's used to not. He's he, bullets will kill Captain America. You know, they don't bounce off him. Yeah. So he's used to using the shield. You know, and he's that's just so. Just that sacrifice of here, you take my shield because I'm used to being moral. I'm used to dodging bullets. You're just going to walk into them. <laughs> you know that sort of thing. So, uh, really good. So, uh, so really, so we're, we're we find out that this is uh, a Roxon. Roxon tech, tech Laboratory, and this is where they're, they're experimenting with a Genus compound that mutated uh, Cap and uh, into and, and Winter Soldier and Atlanteans and so forth and so on. Uh, they need the Genus compound, and and then this, you know, Namor gets get over exuberant, and this grabs the scientist, and the scientist elbows him in the face and breaks his nose, and Namor's like, my God, humans are so fragile, is he? The blood. <laughs> Yeah, it comes out of his nose, and uh, you know, and then they get into the real combat with a with like a, a giant robo suited guy, and uh, Namor tosses him back the shield, and tosses back Cap the shield, and Cap goes to work doing his thing, and Namor's kind of useless, you know, up until a point, and then Cap grabs one of the Genesis vials and throws it across the room and smashes it against the robot, and the gas, you know, obviously turns Namor back into an Atlantean, the you know the Atlantean prince, and he starts ripping arms off the thing, and. Uh, really, really good. Um, but Namor shows his inhumanity again whenever he releases the say Cap wants to let the scientists go, and Namor releases them and then releases the creatures that they've been working on after them. It's just mm. kind of. There's a great line by Namor there as well. They wish to play a god, then they can meet him. Mm. <laughs> and then Cap compares, he, he reminds Namor about, you know, that time, the Red Skull's lab. They invaded them and the monsters that were there and he goes you're the skull now anymore you're the you're the red skull you know so their whole dialogue in this it's, book it's is fantastic, fantastic you know yeah. and, and then we go back to the promise they made to each other uh you know you know bucky was a good man a soldier you know so we're back you know on the boat again back in the flashback you know he was it's really you it is and they have a hug and uh and they, they make a they make a, a vow to one another. Once an invader, always an avenger. Whenever the chips come, whenever time comes, whenever the chips are down, you and I, we remember. We remember that if someone says they're guided by a higher power, that they know what's right for the world, and they'll crush everyone's freedom to change it. Then we'll stand in front of them, arm in arm, and tell them no. <laughs> you know, and then just a great scene as uh, the Human Torch and Toro and Winter Soldier and Spitfire, you know, appear from uh, a Quinjet and. Cap's like, let's go, let's save the world, invaders. <laughs> you know, so for the last issue, of course, we've got the team back together. Yeah. Namor back on side. <clears> so 
can they ever be redeemed yeah so really really strong issue really strong might issue. have been a bit meta but it might have been fun there if Sadarsky had a hand cap go Avengers is- oh, no, <laughs> come on. let's go see the Lord of the Mayors yeah another Marvel book I thought was quite strong was um, Punisher Soviet wasn't it though yes it was um, this is the first time I've seen Max comics in a while um Oh, so I hadn't I hadn't noticed that. Yeah. So that Punisher Max, which of course is the imprint that Garth Ennis first Garth Ennis pretty yeah. much uh, defined his uh defined Frank Castle for a lot of people. Mm. Um so this is Punisher Soviet number one of six. Um just up at the top where the number one is, it does say explicit content, but if you look towards the bottom it does say Max Comics. So as we say, Garth Ennis back on this, Jason Burroughs on art. The team are back together. Well, the team are back together and you know, I mean, the first image is just Frank standing in a room with loads of dead people. But uh, what's interesting about it is he's actually arrived there late. He, <laughs> yeah. he, he actually looks really disappointed. <laughs> um, but it's sort of like, you know, takes experience to hold one of these on target, a full auto, it wants to wander everywhere. But one long burst to put them all down. Headshots as required, and no one even got to pull. Good work. Great, even. Only problem, that wasn't me. Um, yeah, just thought this book was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's it's nice when Marvel do the slightly more grown up stuff. I don't find they do it an awful lot, but uh, yeah, just good fashion, revenge stuff, Punisher being badass, Russians, <laughs> Russians, Russians, people that can't really talk properly, and then going ah fuck, <laughs> which I thought was a great moment when they see the Punisher skull. But yeah, this is during one of Frank's best moments where. Uh, he is being tailed in a van and uh, he doesn't panic, looks relaxed, basically gets to this big warehouse, is surrounded by 30 people. Oh, that was a great scene. Hollowed out part in his van, climbs down the sewer, everyone goes towards the van, he walks downstairs, someone says, okay, body bag him, presses the button, it explodes. Van's full of plastic. And what's great about it is you don't actually see the explosion, you just see the aftermath. You just see Frank back on the surface there's legs hanging up there at the top there's people can't speak properly <laughs> Frank's for a moment I thought I would uh, might have overdone it 200 pounds of plastic makes an awful lot of bang <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's uh, it's it's Ennis and it's Ennis and Punisher I mean even stuff like this it's like Frank um, drags this guy out to the woods and he's like right you'll be useful and uh, the guy's leaning up against uh, a tree bloodied beaten you know, he's got, you know, he's basically at death's door and he goes, you know, fucking Punisher, I know you're a rep, I know you're going to kill me, start cutting, I won't say anything to you. I'm, I'm toning down the language here a bit as well. Uh, you know what that means? Yeah. You need to know when you're a tough guy, oh, who's this here? And then he pulls up a picture of the guy's family and then he's just like, and then he phones them. Dad, hello, you want me to go get mommy? Nikki, I'll call you back. I'll put it on speaker then I'll start cutting <laughs> so he's, and he's like you evil <laughs> you're worse than us that's a matter of opinion uh, but yeah fun book yeah um, really fun a wee twist towards the end of it which not give away too much of uh, but that's just going to be a six issue mini series uh, we sold out of it last week uh, I have more copies coming this week though um, because it is great I have to say uh, the one DC book that made an impression on me this week uh, was, you yeah, know, only one. Well, Detective Comics is pretty good, but we got to the end of Event Leviathan, uh, number six. 
so this was the culmination of Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Malev's um, I don't want to call it a mini event but that's kind of what it's been um, gorgeous art the whole way through it uh, this was the one that was being set up as the you know the man behind the mask revealed um, now for a lot of people the uh, the reveals seem to be a bit disappointing mm -hmm. looking at you Stephen um, I personally had zero problem with it because it's clearly setting up what's going to be another story um, see I think I think a lot of people were thinking about this as an event largely mm -hmm. because event was in the title but that referred to what was happening within the story rather yeah. than so I thought I mean this was back in the day we would have just called this a limited series yeah. mini series you know what I mean? It wasn't not not every miniseries has to be an event. This this ties perfectly into the stuff that Bendis is doing, action comics, you know, and action comics and Superman and, and that. But it also gives him a chance to write a bit of Batman and a quest the question and you know all of those characters. You know, so so I think uh, I think this was great. It was it was low key. Um, it was separate from all the year the villain stuff that's going on and, and all of that sort of stuff. So this is just this Bendis' corner of the world. Yeah, well that's it. I mean, he has his own little corner of the DC universe, and this fits perfectly within it. But I mean, you look at some of the artwork and some of the double page splashes, oh, and, lovely, yeah. you know the colors. I thoroughly enjoyed Van Leveathan. It mm -hmm. didn't blow me away. It didn't disappoint me. It was somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I'm yep. more than happy to to read more of it. I like that there's a little nod back to who this character was mm -hmm. in the past with a little Daily Planet article at the back, which um, is the Daily Planet article that Lois Lane writes as a result of you know. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah, I love the in the news banner, and then you like sort of you can click down the menu. It's like in the news world, meta humans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, but those sweet parts were always uh, quite fun as well. So um, yeah, final bathroom for me. I'll definitely give it another read. It's There's also definitely some foreshadowing. Yeah, it's going to be leading up to Action Comics ten eighteen, and that's you know that's 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 typical espionage spy stuff because what does that remind you of? But the end of a Bond movie. Oh, yeah, will return. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it all the way. Not um, bad. Not bad at all. Is it Bendis' best work? Probably not, but yep. thoroughly enjoyable. The man knows how to do dialogue. <laughs> he loves dialogue. <laughs> In fairness. Um, and then just two very quick last ones for me. I'm just going to throw out there a little bit of love for Ascender. Uh, this is a uh, image series written by Jeff Lemire, art by Dustin and Guin. Um, this is, was the sequel to Descender. Uh, the first trade of this will be out. This is actually the start of a brand new story arc at number six. And this is just a gorgeous title. Yeah, um, I gotta get this. Look at, like, just look at it's beautiful, comic. like, it's painted artwork, gorgeous. Um, pure imagination. It's, it's a world that exists full of um, robots and androids, but now what's upset this uh, world order is now the presence of magic. Um, so whereas the sender was very much an exploration of science in the world, this is an exploration of magic within the world. Um, but yet it's a prequel, isn't it? This is a sequel. Yeah. Oh, no, a sequel. This is ah, a sequel. Okay. Yeah. So there's stuff in this that relates back to Descender. Uh, there's certain characters that have actually crossed over from one to another, but it also stands very much in its own, um, and it's worth cool. it just for the art. Was it not uh, Arthur C. Clarke that said that uh, that any science sufficiently advanced would be perceived as magic by a less advanced society? Just let's just end it there. Let's just end it there, guys. <laughs> yeah, and then can't agree more. There was one more I was going to throw, in, but I think I'll let Roddy introduce this one because this is one that 
I'll be honest I only picked this up because Roddy had recommended it um, oh cool and he has got a bit of a, a hit record with Vault comics I gotta say <laughs> you seem to know the good stuff within Vault yeah well I've heard good things about other co- comics but yeah this one I think Keith will really enjoy this one oh it's got some Eldritch horror vibes ooh yes um, so I believe it was pitched as a the Revenant meets uh, Cosmic Horror. Mm-hmm. Ah, Jesus, uh, I think that's what there we are. That's what the, yeah. <laughs> Did we? Uh, there we are. Shall we sign off and uh, just read it? Yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah, I think I think that's what I said in previews. Anyway, is this a one shot or is it a? No, it's a limited, limited series. Um, Vault are always about all about the limited series. Um, you didn't get the old uh, tribute cover, did you? No. No. I wonder, I wonder what it was. Oh no, it was. Um, I'm not a fan of those tribute covers. It, it was. I thought it was White Oak, but it was something else. Like, might have been even Queen and Country, you know. Mm. But anyway, um, yeah. So Black Stars Above, um, written by Lonnie Nadler, Jenna Chan, Brad Simpson does colors, and Hassan Otman El Hawal on letters. So absolutely stunning looking book set in the Canadian wilderness about. There's your, your revenant. Yep. So about a family of fur trappers, but um, there's spooky. St- Do you know what it reminded me of? Actually, when I was looking through Falling Fallen Fallen Angels, it's got the same sort of oh black eyes, J horror yeah. black ink yeah, spots yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah can't, can't recommend this enough. Like Vault have a sort of. I think it was wide out. Oh, it was. Uh, yeah. I think Vault have sort of. I don't know. It's hit and miss for me, but when it hits, it is. Oh great. my god, it's yeah. a hit. Um, really, sort of like high concept. Loads of really, really interesting ideas. Like I'm always bigging up these Savage Shores, um, which mm. is like they're very. They definitely have a style, and they're very literary. Like if you look at this one, there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of narration and letters and loads of it, different stuff. You wonder if sort of all what they're trying to do slightly it may sound a little pretentious, but is maybe marry literary with yeah, comics. They definitely definitely have a vision. Definitely, no, but it's, it's all original stories. It's not just adaptations of yeah. classic literature, you know that kind of thing. But especially towards the end of this book, I mean, the art just got. Yeah. It was just beautiful. Um, really great issue. Oh, that, that, feel, looks, that, that looks fantastic. Feel free to take it with you if you want to read, Keith, since you're up to date in this week's pull list. I am. Um, so there's a wee extra one for so you. But really, really, come, the only thing is, it's a shame with like Vault and stuff that if we do sort of recommend it, it's hard to get. Yeah. Um, be so, hard to get like a number one. But maybe, maybe Alan. Will they trade them? Will they trade oh, them? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. They they definitely trade, trade. Them. Oh, yeah. Just like, These yeah. Savage Shores just came out. Um, but Black Stars Above you don't need to source it Keith because there you go there's my car oh look it just for you <laughs> lovely man all together um, yeah I think that's uh, I will have one more to mention but I'll mention it at the end of the podcast um, okay. so a couple more from me I really enjoyed uh, I know we're, we're one issue away from the end of uh, Donny Cates Guardians of the Galaxy oh, yep. just doing the 12 and it's all you yeah, taking over this being the great this is the, the death of Rocket Raccoon um, this arc uh, really Tugs at the heartstrings a few times. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. And uh, the this issue is no, uh, it's high auction, and then a wee bit of heartstring tugging, uh, mm-hmm. for sure. So I really enjoyed this. Really enjoying the characterizations, uh, and that in here. Um, 
I would have chosen uh, it would have been high, quite a help me list would have been the Oblivion song 21 so I'm Sorry. just going to no not at all the reason I don't mention it is because both Roddy and Alan are reading in trade um, so they won't be anywhere near this one quite yet um, uh, so as far as trade 3 so issue 18 yeah. mm, so there's 3 issues beyond there the way that the last three or four issues have been going sort of changed gears of thing, changed the process. Really, really good. Still, that remains a really, really strong book from Kirkman. Um, so I'm really, uh, I think maybe we should have a look at a bit of a deeper look at Oblivion Song one of these days. Um, Happy enough. Um, History of the Marvel Universe covers a lot of the uh, 90s and the early 2000s. Um, you when know, I pulled that out of the box, I just thought this yeah, cover will make Keith smart. Some really great stuff in there by, by Mark Wade. <laughs> And then X Men Two, which was the first of the the first of the second issues yeah. run of the of the of the X books, and this was really interesting. So, uh, House of X, you know, they, they talked a little bit about and Powers of X. They talked a little bit about Krakoa and the sister island, Akroa or Koa or something. Arcoa, I think yeah. Um, so this involves, I think, something along those lines. Is that that's there's something about that? What really was interesting here was how they have redefined. Uh, Scott Summers as a character because I mean we last saw Scott he was a mutant revolutionary and he was doing all sorts of nasty things and you know was possessed by the Phoenix Force and was killing off Charles Xavier and then uh, in, in Rosenberg's run on the X-Men he was effectively the last X-Men trying to assemble the last X-Men team but they've really redefined him they put him right at the centre of things right at the centre of the X-Men he's one of the great captains uh, but what's really is, is Cable uh, has a uh, Cable as we know as we know <laughs> If you look at the Summers family tree, Cable is the son of Scott Summers and the clone of Jean Grey, Madeline Pryor, uh, who was infected by the technogonic virus as a baby and was sent to the future, uh, the far future, where he could be cured of the technogonic virus or at least would, would survive it under the care of the Ascani clan and Mother Ascani. Mother Ascani was Rachel Summers, who, in this reality, is a grown-up version of an alternate universe daughter of Scott G. <laughs> but uh, you know what I took from all of that I know where Keith's Twitter handle comes from <laughs> exactly Cable is the Ascani son you know so anyway uh, in the future Cable grew up um, to become uh, his fate was to be to become the um, uh, the, the foe of Apocalypse you know and eventually he came back as an older man as a man older than his father came back to our time and became the man known as Cable uh, in more recent times, uh, the man known as Cable, our Cable, was killed by a younger version of himself who is now taking his place. Okay, so Cable is now a young man who is younger Probably than Probably is actually <laughs> scratching his head right now. <laughs> no. uh, so the, the main characters in this book were Cyclops, Cable, <coughs> who we've just explained who Cable is, and Rachel Summers, who is known as Prestige. Rachel Summers is, as I said, the alternate, an alternate universe uh, daughter of Scott and Jean. Uh, who now lives in our universe she was I've never she, seen such a blank look from you <laughs> she was she was previously a hound in the days of future past reality anyway but now she lives happily so effectively the way this runs is Scott now has two has two teenage children living in the house with him so for the first time in history Scott can be a father to his now normal age children all in the same universe <laughs> so and that's the way this story goes is uh, is now for some reason they have sent the only individual who can communicate with Krakoa directly Cypher who's a member of the New Mutants they've sent him into space with the other New Mutants that was a silly idea because they detect another they detect another island yeah. and 
Krakoa detects the island and then starts moving towards that island and no one can speak to Krakoa, no Krakoa to, to go to find out what the uh, crack is yeah. where are you going yeah, exactly so Scott goes guys he's up in the summer house and he goes he goes kids uh, I'm going on a mission I need to go and do some recon on this mysterious island because Krakoa is about six hours away from it we need to go there but find out what's going Krakoa on there does Krakoa move fast or does it move like you know well they never, that's indistinguished you know so they're four hours away from uh, Krakoa okay. four it's, hours away it's so not like it's a thousand years away it's moving no, 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 so slowly towards it well four hours it's not waiting until the island runs out of petrol or yeah. something but yeah so Krakoa's moving anyway so so it's really fun you know because Scott goes kids do you fancy coming with me and they're like yeah dad <laughs> yeah dad. <laughs> so, so this killer team of, of Summer's Mutants visits this island and we're starting to see that you know the, the the roots of something happening here and, and Apocalypse features you know because Apocalypse featured in that so yeah very very good remains good this is one of the books written by Hickman drawn by Lionel Francis <coughs> Yu I'm not sure how much time Lionel Francis Yu will spend on it but he's here now and most enjoyable so yeah X-Men too you would imagine the first full arc at the, at the very least but yeah, that or Hickman locked him away for two years and said, "Draw all my issues." <laughs> and that, you know, that that relationship between Scott and Nate and Rachel, and also the relationship between Nate and Rachel now as bickering brother and sister, yeah, is really interesting. It's, to, it's re, totally redefined that that relationship, and we're still no closer on what exactly the relationship between Scott and Jean and Logan is. Oh yeah, that's another yeah. thing wow. entirely. Yeah, just check out, just day. check out your map of the Summers House. Yes, to know what their relationship is. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm going to throw one last mention out for something completely different, and I'll probably get a few funny looks, but, well. Um, you used to it. I am used to it. Uh, the reason I wanted to bring this one up is this is something, believe it or not, I look forward to for a while. Uh, this is called Earth. Uh, it's written by Garth Ennis, he of Punisher Soviet and the copious amounts of swearing and violence and decapitations and all the rest. It's illustrated by Rob Steen, and the reason I bring it up is because it's a children's book. Uh, this caught me totally off guard. It was solicited probably about five months ago. Um, so on the back, it has a little quote from the book, which is, My friends can do so many wonderful things, thought Earth, but I have no talent. I have nothing to offer at all. Uh, so the little description says, A tale for all ages, Earth tells the story of four friends at the dawn of time and their adventures in the dark and primordial world. Garth Ennis is best known for the boys preacher Battlefield Cross than the Punisher. <laughs> he has won the Eisner Award for Best Writer. Uh, the artist Rob Steen, he's illustrated various other children's books. He did Flanimals with Ricky Trebase, um, for example. It's it's a one-shot sort of graphic novel. It is aimed squarely at younger readers, but there is something in here genuinely for everyone. Uh, it's not really the kind of thing we would nor normally carry in the store. But we are trying our best at the moment to sort out a section for younger readers. You know, we, we find a lot with comics that, you know, 12 and above, no problem, recommend all day. But for younger readers, it can actually be a bit of a struggle. For something for all ages, it can be even harder. But this was genuinely quite moving and quite a fun story, mm -hmm. what they did with it. Um, mm -hmm. It's maybe about 45, 50 pages, um, beautiful art in it. Um, it's mini black label sized. <laughs> But I mean, come on, look, look, look at that and tell me Earth is not an adorable yeah, character. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely want to get um, this. It looks awesome. But it's something, as I say, we, we've got in store and I uh, I think this would make a great gift for younger readers. And I kid you not, I actually might just record a uh, reading of it by myself. Alan's Storytime. Alan's Storytime for Christmas, Earth. 
and I might just genuinely do because <laughs> it actually really moved me I was really surprised um, I'll see if oh, we can find some nice cool. uh, music to put on behind you I think that would be very pleasant it would be a beautiful thing <laughs> your, your Christmas present to everyone my Christmas present to everyone I could do different characters yeah. there we go yeah. I like the sound of that but believe it or not yeah it came out last week we sold out of it today Stephen bought the last copy but I have more copies coming tomorrow I, I genuinely think I'll be a great all ages type one um, so yeah so that is reviews we'll finish off as we did before with uh, what we're looking forward to most this week obviously this is the the benefit of the uh, the weekly podcast format uh, I wrote out all the pull lists today so for me the top three titles are not going to surprise anyone uh, the top three titles for me are Batman 83 Batman White Knight Von Freeze and Batman Superman yeah well um, at least DC have a <laughs> Looks like they're going to have a banner week next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think, as I said at the start of the podcast, this week yeah. I thought was a bit weak for DC content, but I think there's some great looking stuff. There's great looking stuff all around, but those are the ones that just. For me, for me. it's DC. I'm going to go DC on this one too. Mm-hmm. Bit of black label love, just to annoy you, Keith. I'm going to go for the question. Black label love and the Snyder cuts, eh? How have you survived? I'm this? excited to see if it the the art is justified I know you're just gonna yeah. like laugh at me but like I'm excited to see if the art uh, or the size or the art justifies the size I guess is that the right yeah, no I agree right because I've, I've talked about it a bit before I think things like year one and things yeah. like yeah. Harleen have you know they've maybe not deserved the wrong word they've justified the size yeah. with great art and layouts Joker Killer Smile I thought was a great read but I thought it's quite a small claustrophobic story between this psychologist and the Joker. You could yeah. just done that normal size <laughs> issue, but um, yeah, so. I, I still think they're working working out what they want with it. But all the, especially with the new titles, like with the question and like loads of others, I'm excited to see if like there's Doctor Fate and the Spectres of the World mm. come into Black Label. But who knows? Mm. Well, it's good but, to see them moving away from just yeah. Batman, Joker, Harley, and Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so this is the first one really that. Um, is stepping outside that a bit what else do you have um, for me mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm, I'm, it's going to be a good week yeah because uh, obviously we've got something that's called the children coming out and ones in future coming out um, flip yeah I know I know uh, <laughs> some crazy stuff farmhand so is back farmhand it is but I mean I'm really struggling Excalibur 2 I'm really interested in seeing how that whole magic thing goes I'm still, still a wee bit confused about Apocalypse being a sorcerer that's kind of confused <laughs> me a bit but for me uh, let me see uh, Absolute Carnage is finishing tomorrow yep. or finishing on Wednesday rather um, so that'll be finishing and 2099 uh, starts 2099 almost, Alpha yeah. comes out so yeah. I'm really looking forward to that same week as uh, the new Amazing Spider-Man issue which is yeah, tied into 2099 but uh, I think the one I'm maybe most intrigued by is He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse <laughs> Uh, which we talked about in the previous podcast. It's a so. DC clean sweep. I know. Yay! Oh, my goodness, <laughs> Keith. My goodness. Yeah, he, he is a child of the eighties. Uh, he has a very soft could, spot yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tim yeah. Seeley, Scourge of Anti Attorney, is unleashed in the multiverse, blazing a trail across dimensions. He's devastating each version of Attorney and stealing its power. Now it's up to a ragtag team of surviving He Men to recruit the one man in existence who might save them. Prince Keldor, <laughs> the man who would be Skeletor. This all new miniseries features the most iconic eras and beloved techs on the Masters of the Universe. So, sounds good. It does sound good. I'm sort of brewing, not picking it up. But, mm. but yeah. If only you knew a comic store would ordered extra copies. If only, if only. If only. Uh, well, yeah. 
guess it's not meant to be. Mm-hmm. Already had to, <laughs> already had to fix that mistake for folklore, but you know. Um, Sweet. And I can't so, believe yeah. Keith mentioned all those titles and didn't mention King Thor number three and Conan too. I, the, Conan number and, twelve. And, and, <laughs> He's just going to read out his whole. Yeah, book. exactly. <laughs> that, that looks like a Batman Superman number four's out, and Captain America's getting really good. And as you say, Conan's there and. Farmhand and Firefly and it's just yeah King Thor Nightwing yeah it's just it's gonna be a banner week yeah another issue of Jim Olsen so so next oh, issue four that was great mm. um, finally got caught up on that uh, so yeah next week's review one could be interesting <laughs> trying to a long one pick the bones out of all that one yeah um, but yeah we'll get there we will indeed so uh, yeah that's gonna do it for us of week two of November. Um, as ever you know if you want to reach out at any time you can catch us on social media just search the page coffee and heroes uh, find us on twitter and instagram as well or more uh, uh the better thing to do is pop into the store smithville market and we're uh, we're hoping to get a wee book club out soon we are indeed yeah, yeah. we have uh one of those in the bag shall we say yes indeed uh and then we're going to get a few more book clubs out over the next little while as well um and uh, yeah plenty of content coming up and then of course there's story time with Alan Earth a reading <laughs> you all think I'm joking yeah. uh, that's gonna do it <laughs> nice one okay guys lovely job nice. as ever see you soon bye bye bye